Before we get into the podcast, everyone, I just wanted to take a second. Thank you for retweeting the Week 17 Ride in NFL DFS podcast for your chance to win the authentic office pint glass from Poor Richard's Pub right from behind the bar. Um, What I did was I put everybody's Twitter handle into a random tweet picking generator, some type of thing. I just Googled it and you get all these things that pop up. Um, You could just... Uh, type everybody's handle in and, and get a random generated uh, winner. I even went back and added everybody who quote tweeted. Um, so if you know you quote tweet, you can add like your little comment above the tweet. That doesn't actually show up if you click on who retweeted it. So I actually went back through all my mentions uh, and and also manually entered anybody who quote tweeted the tweet. Um, just for future reference, if you're ever in a contest where you have to retweet to win something, your name does not show up as someone who retweeted the post if you quote tweet it. I don't know why, that's just how it goes. Um, so the winner uh, that the random generator thing spit out was FF Cheesehead. Uh, hopefully you are a big fan of The Office. Just DM me your address and I will get that pint glass headed your way. Hopefully you enjoy a cold one uh, in the name of the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. All right, let's start this show. The 2019 regular season is in the books. Was a great one for us. Hopefully everybody had a profitable season. You are listening to the final episode of the 2019 Ride In NFL DFS podcast. I'm Pat James. As always, the podcast is brought to you by FanshareSports.com. Head on over to FanshareSports.com today. Check out all the cool ownership tools they have on their website that helps you set your rosters week in and week out based on ownership projections, tags, and buzz ratings. All right. So first things first, I made a fatal error in week 17 that, you know, probably cost me a solid chunk of ROI on the day. Uh, But first... I do want to ask everyone, if you enjoyed this podcast over the last two years, or if you just found it last week, and you enjoy it, and if you have yet to review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts, please go do so as soon as uh, this episode ends. There are only about 35 ratings on iTunes, and there are a lot, lot, lot more people that listen to this podcast based on, you know, based on the numbers. So I know a lot of you guys that have enjoyed this podcast have not yet had a chance to rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please go and do that. It is a huge help to the show, to me, and I appreciate everyone who has liked, retweeted, clicked on articles, listened to this podcast over the last two years or read my articles over the last, God knows, six, seven, eight years, however long I've been doing it. Um, But I appreciate you just so you know that. Okay, week 17. 
here's what happened. You guys all knew I, I talked about it on the first two podcasts of the week. I had a birthday party at Locke, right? My daughter's turning four, which means the world to me. Not going to put anything, uh, especially DFS, in front of attending a birthday party, obviously. So I locked in my lineup early that morning, uh, set out to get the party all set up. It was at like this weird trampoline indoor park type thing, foam pits, I don't know. But right about 11.30, right in the middle of the birthday party, of course I get an alert that uh, the Bills are deactivating pretty much all their starters. So I say to myself, well, this definitely changes things. Um, And, you know, not being at a computer, not being able to pull up all the snap shares and and things like that and do actual research, um, you know, in the middle of a birthday party was probably to my own detriment. Um, So what I did was I quick, real quick, five minutes, looked at some of the models that I use to create lineups. And a lot of them had Robert Foster popping out now that you know, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox were not going to be active. Um, and throughout the entire week, I really wanted to get Aaron Jones in my lineup, thought he was a smash play. Uh, and this allowed me to do that. So I just, you know, and really what I should have did was just let bygones be bygones, let the lineup that I already set just, you know, play out. Um, it would have cashed the lineup that I uh, originally had intended to play. Um, it had Rykel Armstead. It had Jameis. It had uh, Steven Sims. But I switched off of, swapped off of Steven Sims and Jameis and Rykel Armstead to get. Robert Foster, who I didn't really think was a great play, but I thought his floor was high enough that he allowed me to get to Aaron Jones. That would be a better 3v3. And then I actually came down from Jameis to Case Keenum. I mean, just galaxy brain, as they call it on on the Twitter sphere. Um, You know, just really, I mean, I I wouldn't say I overthought things because I literally did it in about four minutes, five minutes. Um, But I really should have just left everything alone. Um, But one of the things that I mean I learned from this and I mean the rest of my cash lineup I had Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, and Aaron Jones so I went three running backs over 8k that was um, something that I kind of towards the middle of the season advised against or said that I was was going to stop doing because it left the rest of your lineup really thin this week I think maybe that wasn't the case because obviously Robert Foster now being a starting receiver although he I, I didn't check his snap shares but I don't think he really um was the snap leading receiver. It looked like Duke Williams and Isaiah McKenzie really were in there for most of the two wide receiver sets, and he was kind of the third wide receiver. He saw four targets. I mean, that was just a mistake. You know, I shouldn't have shouldn't have played him. Uh, some other things that that kind of uh, shook out. Uh, you know, Jameis really uh, Jameis wasn't much better than Case Keenum. the The real play there was Dak Prescott. I was hesitant to play Dak because of the shoulder and because I thought the game would be such a blowout that it would be all Zeke. Um, I, I didn't envision them scoring close to 50 points, which, you know, now there's plenty of room for Dak and Zeke. One thing I will say is that I had a massive day in tournaments. Um, it was 
one aside from the week that I qualified for King of the Beach and aside from the I think it was week five where I came in second or third in a pretty big tournament this was my best GPP week on on the season um you know I had a lot of Derrick Henry a lot of Dak to Gallup uh I actually was flirting with actually binking a tournament um up until about halftime of the second set of games Miles Sanders being injured um you know I mean if Miles Sanders gets the production that Boston Scott got I probably would have taken that tournament down that was tough 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 scene there um probably should have at least come in top five in that tournament uh but dropped into the the 20s I believe because of the Sanders injury um not saying that Boston Scott and Miles Sanders would have had the exact same production in the second half but obviously Sanders would have probably tacked on to his eight measly fantasy points as far as the rest of my cash lineup um I ended up swapping after the one o'clock games I ended up swapping back to Chris Sims uh, excuse me Steve Sims from Greg Ward um, because I felt like I was a little behind because Aaron Jones didn't hit his ceiling. McCaffrey didn't hit his ceiling. Um, so I thought that I was kind of behind the eight ball. Swapped back to Steve Sims thinking that if he has a big day, maybe Case Keenum probably also has a big day. And there's some correlation there. Uh, so I didn't have Greg Ward in my final cash lineup. And then in some of my head-to-heads, I made some moves. I, you know, I swapped to Derrick Henry in a few um, that I knew the the person had Zeke left and I was boxed out. Um, so I did make some decent swaps there, but overall, you know, terrible week in cash for me. Um, you know, clicking a few random buttons at 1130, um, not being able to do the actual research definitely, um, you know, cost me some coin there. Not an optimal way to end an otherwise very, very good 2019 season. Okay, really quick, I am going to run down because the prices are out. So just a first sneak peek at the playoff pricing. Um, It definitely looks like it's going to be a tighter slate for sure. I think right off the bat, the first thing I see when you open it up, um, quarterback is very condensed. Um, Like all the starters are within $1,000 of each other. There really isn't going to be a pay down option on this slate. Um, it looks like Josh Allen will probably be the chalkiest. You know, he has the best matchup despite the fact he's going on the road. But the Texans have just been gashed by passing games. Um, and, you know, he has the running equity. So I think he's going to probably be the most owned. Him and he and Drew Brees <clears throat> right off the bat. Um, and then I think probably um, Carson Wentz maybe as well will be in there too. And I don't think this is really going to be a slate where we can get too funky. I mean, who are we going to go to? Tannehill in Foxborough, that's an if. Um, You know, Cousins in New Orleans. I mean, maybe Russ, but what has Russ done, man? He, I mean, last night, Sunday Night Football, he did put up a 20 spot, but he hasn't hit 20 fantasy points since week nine. Um, their, Their offense just is not clicking. And I think the Eagles have a really good shot at taking them down. Um, running back is disgusting. I, I don't think I've seen a playoff running back slate where I don't want any part of it like I have this one. I mean, Derrick Henry's matchup is tough, very, very tough. Uh, although they're really rolling. I think I'm going to have to, you know, have a ton of Derrick Henry this week just based on the fact that, um, 
you know, he's just a monster. And New England is kind of reeling. And we'll have to see if Dalvin Cook is healthy. If he can go, he'll probably um, catch a ton of ownership. Obviously, I think Kamara, uh, based on the fact he's on the, the correct side of t- touchdown variance the last few weeks, will have some ownership as well. But um, Miles Sanders, I would say that his, you know, injury status is is going to be key, but it really isn't. I mean, Boston Scott is 5,800. Uh, he's priced way, way, way up. So even if Miles Sanders is out, I think Boston Scott is in play. But at the same time, uh, that's a lot to pay for a little scat back. Uh, merely because he had a monster uh, half in week 17. And there really just is not much value uh, at the position. You know, I mean, obviously if Madison and Cook are limited or out, I don't even know what their status is going to be at this point. Mike Boone is is important. I think, you know, Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead are definitely in play. Duke Johnson, um, we could see some, you know, some catches from. But there really isn't a standout cheap play at running back at this point. Obviously, I'll have to tune in later in the week for my final thoughts on the slate. This is really before I've done much research at all. Um, obviously, Michael Thomas, lock button in cash if you're playing cash on these short slates. Uh, did have a terrible week 17, but you know I think they just kind of took it easy on him because of his um, slight hand injury and the fact that they were up by a gazillion points within 10 minutes. And then there's some guys that I think will probably break the slate right in the middle there. You know, you're going to have to pick correctly between the John Browns, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett type guys. Um, love A.J. Brown. Love uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think, you know, he can beat Tredavious White. Uh, I think wide receiver is really where it's going to come down. Um, not too much value there either, though. You know, uh, Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu for the Pats, but... Not too much volume to speak of there. Um, probably the best wide receiver under 5K is probably going to be Will Fuller, but, you know, he is um, disappoints week after week until he blows up uh, two or three times a year. It, it, it's really rough sledding at this point. Um, one guy that I had on a, a GPP team last you know, yesterday that really came through for me was DeAndre Carter. I knew all the Texans were inactive, so... I slotted him into a uh, a Tannehill, Henry, A.J. Brown stack. Brought it back with just DeAndre Carter. And, you know, he went 6 for 70 or something. And that minimum salary, 13 points, was key. That was one of my better GPP lineups yesterday. So I'll have to try real hard not to have any recency bias with him because, obviously, with all of their receivers healthy and back for the wild card, he probably won't have much of a role. Um, you know, and then tight end, I feel like it's kind of deep. Ertz and Goddard, if Ertz plays, are going to both be uh, definitely considerations. Jared Cook uh, has been pretty damn good over the last few weeks. And even Jacob Hollister, you know, he's he's a go-to guy. We saw him, you know, have eight targets last night. That's huge. Jonu Smith. The thing with the Pats is, you know, Stefan Gilmore's, I mean, uh, Devontae Parker ate, ate his lunch yesterday. Make no bones about it. However, the only game that A.J. Brown kind of struggled in uh, was the game, uh, I'm trying to think, he, oh, it was, it, was a, it was week 16 when he was, he faced shadow coverage from Marshawn Lattimore on 100% of snaps, literally the only thing he did was take a reverse for 50 yards to the house, um, didn't have 
any receiving production for the most part. So, you know, he, he could be one that is um, not very productive in matchups uh, in which he's facing a top corner, and Stefan Gilmore is exactly that. So, you know, the move this week may be to pivot to the Corey Davises, the Tajay Sharps, the Jonu Smiths of the world on the Titans defense, or just hit the lock button on Derrick Henry. Um, but even in the low 3Ks, um, you know, Dawson Knox, Jordan Aikens, Darren Fells, those guys, even Irv Smith, those guys are a pretty solid piece of their respective offenses. And defense is going to be tough also. Um, you know, I think the one that pops out to me the most is the Eagles uh, and the Seahawks. That game, I think, could be a good game to target defenses um, if you're being contrarian, most likely. Because, you know, in these four-game slates, I'm not playing a ton of cash. One guy who's 25% owned, who goes for a 50-burger, uh, can break the slate on a four-game slate. Whereas in a 15, 11-15 to 15 gamer, you know, you have a ton of guys who, who are probably going to score around the same uh, range, uh, the, the top ceiling plays of the week. Whereas on a four-game slate, there's one there, there could be one guy that you need in all your lineups to cash. Um, so mostly tournaments for me this week. Um, but the Eagles and the Seahawks, being that it's the last game of the entire slate, Sunday at 440, I think that it catches a lot of um, ownership for their offensive players because, you know, everybody wants to have those three or four guy hammers that um, vaults them up the leaderboard as the last uh, game on the slate. So I think using the Eagles and the Seahawks defense could be an interesting way to get a little contrarian. Okay, guys, that will do it for the regular season 2019 Ride-In NFL DFS podcast. I'll be back. I'll have... um, one, maybe two episodes this week. Um, probably just one since the games start on Saturday and there won't be too much news that we don't know about. Uh, so on Thursday or Friday, I'll probably come to you with some info, uh, you know, some considerations, etc. for the week. If you subscribe to 4 for 4, I will have my, my, you know, my typical monstrous DK breakdown ready to roll with cash and GPP picks. Uh, Hope everybody enjoyed the podcast and had a profitable 2019 season. I will see you later. All I see is signs, all I see is dollar